seated. We're in our second message of a three-series set talking about adventures, values, how we make decisions, uh, how we navigate what's important to us. If you're visiting, my name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at Adventure. And today's value is people matter. And I did a little gut check and I thought, yeah, I take care of people. I think people matter until you're driving way too slow in front of me and until it takes four to five seconds for both axles on your car to get over a speed bump and you're in an SUV. That's why they made those. And I then I recognized that you might be my neighbor next door and I realized, wow, sometimes I don't think people matter. I think when people matter except when I'm in the bakery section uh, or the meat section at Rayleigh's or even the fruit and vegetable section where there's wide, wide lanes and some folks are driving their cart like they drive their car, except worse. They're, they're not yielding. Sometimes they just zoom across in front of you. I think, honestly, sometimes they're texting and carting. I think it should be illegal. Uh, you, you should be focused. Uh, it's too confusing. And you might say, okay, Scott, you're, you're being a little judgmental. You, you got some issues that need to be dealt with. Hey, let me tell you, you do too. Check this out. Yeah, you know. Okay, how about this? You're, you're, I, I like birthday parties, okay? I do like birthday parties. If you invite me to your birthday party, I'm going to go as long as I can get there and, uh, and it's not too late on Saturday night. That's my weeknight. I need to get home and get my little nap, uh, my sleep. Uh, but I like birthday parties. But I remember when, we, when our boys were young, it seemed like there were like two or three a weekend. It's like, how many parties we got this weekend? Uh, just three. Uh, and where are they? You would think, okay, birthday parties, they're going to be in the 95835-95834 zip code. Not necessarily. Some parents get real generous. They want their kids at a special, you know, uh, Elks Lodge in South Sac or uh, down at the, you know, car museum on Off X and, and you're, you're, you know, trying to get everywhere and sure enough, it's that weekend that one of your cars not working and part of the birthday challenge, of course, it's not just getting your son or daughter there, it's making certain that you've got something to give and so you get really fast and you're okay that the guy that or gal that invented these bags is retired in the Caribbean because you know it saves so much time. You, by the way, did anyone have a birthday yesterday? Anybody have a birthday yesterday? Anyone have one on Friday? Any Friday birthdays? How about last Thursday? We got one last Thursday? Come on up here. Hurry up. Come on up. Don't hurt yourself. Happy birthday. Come on up here. <laughs> Diane, would you meet her halfway? Bring her a little birthday gift. Great. Enjoy. Enjoy. Uh, birthdays are important, but sometimes they can be kind of stressful when you've got so many to go to. And I remember when we were raising our kids, I was like, and, and birthdays typically scheduled right in the middle of the day. It's like, what are you doing today? It's your, it's your day. What are you doing? We're, we're doing two or three birthdays today. Yeah. Wow. That sounds really fun. Some of you are being judgmental. You're like, wow, I'm not inviting him to a birthday. But someday, you're going to come to me and say, hey, we're moving. <laughs> we're moving. Would you mind helping us move? Oh, I think people matter, yeah, until I'm asked to go to more birthdays on a weekend than there are episodes of, you know, whatever show on. 
I think people matter till they let me know they're moving and they'd like my help moving them. Oh boy, you want my help moving you? I got a list of questions. Do you have a dolly? I want to know how many fridges are we moving? How many flights of stairs are we going up and down? What's the pizza choice? Is this a Little Caesars? Is this a Little Caesars happy? Make me happy with that $5 piece of tinfoil? Or is this a Mountain Mike's pizza move? What are we doing? You know what I mean? You toss out that Little Caesars, man, you are just, you're just taking advantage. There should be some sort of employee law against that. Friends don't let friends move. (laughs) Friends don't ask friends to help them move. It's like one of the hardest things to do, and yet uh, it it can be really meaningful uh, to help someone. They'll never forget that you helped them move. Um, I assume they'll forget if you didn't help them move. Uh, I... As it relates to this value, people matter. The question I want to ask is, how do I ensure that people know they matter? Because it it really doesn't matter if I think people matter. You know this in all relationships, and marriage relationships especially. What's most important is that my wife or my family member, my coworker, my neighbor, that they feel like they matter. How do I ensure that others believe they matter? What do I do? Because it's not about how I perceive others matter. What matters is how others perceive whether or not they matter. If you came this morning and uh, you're uh, with a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 5. If you have one of our adventure Bibles, open it up, if you would, to uh, page 718. I'm going to be reading in verse 17. If you came without a Bible, I want you to have a copy in front of you so that you can follow me and ensure that what I'm teaching is what is written in the scriptures. You should be double-checking me to make certain, especially in our day and age when people argue that the the Bible is not relevant. Um, I believe it's the Word of God, that it, it strikes like lightning to the heart as I was reading this morning in Jeremiah. And so I want you to hear it. I'm going to start actually in verse 27. We'll go back to 21. And I'm answering the question, how do I ensure that others know that they matter? Because that's what counts, that my wife knows that she matters, that my sons know that they matter, my neighbors know that they matter, my coworkers know that they matter. Verse 27 says this, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting uh, at his booth, follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You may remember that we referenced this story when we were talking about bringing Jesus' hope to our imperfect circles. And there are several circles of folks that are gathered at this, this, uh, this new Christ follower, um, this new student in Jesus' school of, of rabbinical work that, would, that came around for, to celebrate this event. And there's a, there's a, there's a group of Pharisees who are the far right in interpreting the law, uh, very, uh, very judgmental, very strict. There's a group of tax collectors 
If you think about it, uh, the tax collectors are collecting money from the Hebrews, the Israelites, and the Pharisees are collecting money from the Hebrews or Pharisees. And the tax collectors are collecting on behalf of the Roman government, and the Pharisees are collecting on behalf of the temple and their work. So you can see there would be tension there in the room. And then there's another group of people that's on the, uh, the, the far left, the religious left. They're more liberal. They don't, they're not, you know, into rule followership. They're, uh, they're into just relationships, and uh, they're called just categorically sinners. And then there's Jesus' disciples, who are these nobodies who uh, are following the, the world-changing rabbi who thought they had what it took and recruited them. And they're all having a great meal at Matthew's house. And no doubt that uh, the, the question these Pharisees are asking is, why is your, to his Jesus' disciples, why is your rabbi hanging out with these guys? Why these tax collectors? What's in it for you? What's in it for uh, Jesus? It, do you ever find yourself asking the same question when you're invited to be at a party or to, to, to go help someone with a move? Hey, what's in this for me? What's the, what's the trade-up? How am I going to benefit? Uh, because I don't see any natural chemistry here. Uh, we don't have any shared values. Uh, we don't agree on a lot of different worldview issues. Why would I want to be there? Uh, what's in it for me? And Jesus places himself, he plants himself in that setting and just kind of lets everyone do their thing. He has such a confidence, such a uh, genuineness about him that he's not, uh, he's not flustered by the arguments or the tension. He's there just loving people. What do you do when you get invited to a party? Do you find yourself making decisions about whether or not... Uh, you want to give your time to that? Do you find yourself judgmental? Do you forget that Jesus said when you throw a party, when you have one, actually reach out to people and invite those who can't pay you back. They don't have the resources to do for you what you're doing for them. Uh, one of Jesus' co-workers, Paul, said, uh, be careful and make certain you associate with people of low esteem. Stay humble. Don't just hang out with people who can pay back. Let me give you just a warning here. Be careful about the invitations you decline. Be careful. Because that invite may not be coming from just a host or hostess. It may be coming from the Holy Spirit. He may be inviting you to something that he wants to use you at. And your unwillingness to do that may very well not bespeak of your relationship with the host or hostess, it may actually speak of your willingness to let the Holy Spirit hear and in. Be careful what you decline. Jesus, Jesus wants us to be with people. How do I ensure that people know that they matter? How do I do it? I do it this way. I do life with people. I give them what is most valuable to me. It's not money. It's not a hug. That's simple. It's, you know what it is. It's time. Give them time. 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 I give them time. In this busy life, I give them time. 
Uh, I'm so proud of my neighbors. Last August, we challenged the congregation to, uh, to doing life in community, and I got a text from my neighbor about his Rocktoberfest. Uh, we challenged the congregation to front yard living, invite your neighbors, have a party, and he did this. He took it big time uh, right across the street from me. If I could get that image up, it's hard to see because the pictures are so small. He had 50 to 75 people over to his house, all in the front yard. We blocked off the street so cars wouldn't come by, kids could play. I, actually, there might have been 100. There were about five families from Adventure that were there and, uh, and, uh, and probably 10 to 15 other families. It was just a joy, 4 to 8 p.m., just out doing life together. Uh, I challenge the whole congregation once a month to do life in your community. Give time. Give time to people that you, that you do life 100 feet from. They live right in your neighborhood. My, na- my neighbor took us up on that challenge and did it uh, this month. One or two families came to services the next morning because part of the vision is to do life in community. Our vision is that half of our congregation this year would do life in their own community in front yard living and when given an opportunity would make a bold move to share their Jesus story. And we got to have some of those that attended come to adventure on the first time, for the first time the very next morning. To me, this is just critical. How, how do I ensure that people know that, that they matter? I, I do life with them. I, uh, I give them time. Do you? Who are the people God has entrusted in your care? Who he's placed as your neighbors? Who he's placed at your, as your co-workers? Who he's placed uh, on your team? Do you differentiate? Uh, do you just hang out with people you like? People that can give back to you? Or do you, do you choose to see yourself as the Christ? Maybe no one will ever see and just chill with them. Just give them time. This year we challenge you to once a month... Uh, doing a Matthew party, just like I read here. And if you're like party um, unabled, <laughs> we provided you a party in a box. This is how you do, do a party. Uh, recipes, how to talk to people. If you're not a people person, uh, you just, uh, you can use this. And if you need some, we have some more in the office. But there is something special about just giving time with people, especially your neighbors. I'll tell you why. Secondly, if I want people to know that they matter to me, I need to be there to give them time. The second is that, well, let's look at it in the Word. Let's start in verse 17. One day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village in Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Let me just pause here. Everyone was coming. Because he was teaching. He was teaching. He, w- he was the word of God. He was teaching the word of God. And people just wanted to be there and listen. Just to listen to Jesus. The scriptures talk about people hanging on every word. He was an astonishing parabolic teacher. Do you, do you hang on the words of Jesus? Do you have a time every day? where you take up and you want a little morsel, a little piece, a little drip of honey from God's word. I hope that you get that appetite every day to be in the word. And the scripture teaches that uh, the power of the Lord was present for Jesus to heal the sick. So evidently this 
this, uh, this power was something that was really palpable there at that moment. Some men came carrying a paralytic man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, take up your mat and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them. He took what had been lying on, what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Ha, I don't know what you see here. The first thing I see here is a mess. You know what these guys did to get their, their friend before Jesus? A first century home was, had a floor plan of about anywhere from 850 to 1,500 square feet, one story, typically. Sometimes in some, uh, on some rare occasions, you'd have an 1,800 square foot place that actually had an upper room on top of the house for guests. Uh, in this case, it's more likely that there wasn't an upper room, but at this house, which it looks like it was Peter's house. It may not have been for certain, but it is in Capernaum, his hometown where Jesus held his, uh, his ministry headquarters on the uh, west side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and it looks like that these four took the paralytic um, up the stairs. There's always a stairs to the roof where the roof uh, temperatures would be much cooler. It would be a great place to hang out. Uh, in the morning and or the evening, just like you would use a balcony. Uh, they took this paralytic up on top and then they just did whatever it took to get him down before Jesus because the place was packed. You can see why it would be packed if you've got a chronic illness of, uh, you know, um, uh, meningitis or a chronic uh, disability, uh, a paralysis like he had, if you're not speaking or not seeing, uh, you want to do everything you can to get to Jesus, just to touch the hem of his garment and experience immediate, public, visible healing. They're doing everything they can to get their buddy before Jesus. And to the point where they're going to be a real nuisance. They, these roofs were made of planks of wood, um, seamed with with mortar or ceramic uh, particles or uh, uh, straw. And you can imagine the guests in that house uh, looking up and seeing uh, someone taken off the, uh, the ceiling joists and, and all the particles coming down on everyone. You can imagine what it's, if it's Peter's home, he's like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Come on. And his wife, you know, maybe he's a little upset. She just had the carpets uh, shampooed. Uh, uh, Mother-in-laws, you know, wondering. And if you're a Peter type, you're like, hey, uh, the, the homeowner's insurance on this, uh, we're a little behind. You're, are you going to pay for that? Who's paying for that? And what does Jesus say? He doesn't say anything. He, he recognizes their faith. That's faith. That's faith. 
These guys volunteering everything it took for their friend. How do you respond when given an opportunity to do something for a buddy? You there for a friend? It's funny, when those opportunities come, you're, you're often not ready. It's, there's not a real heads up. They just happen. Uh, the healer's in town. The rabbi, and I promise you, I'm telling you, it's not going to waste our time. He's healing people instantaneously. We think he's the Messiah. We just got to get our friend to him. You would do whatever you took. I mean, if I knew the Lord was here, I would take someone who's paralyzed, like my friend David, who ironically came down to be up front this morning. I love this. And I would rush him with all the friends and might I could to get him before Jesus. Because David's not walked since, since a car accident that he was in at age four. Whatever it took, right? Wouldn't you? Hello? Wouldn't you? Whatever it took to get someone before Christ. How do you respond when given an opportunity to bring someone to Christ? What do you do? How willing are you? Are you spirit-led where you'll do whatever it takes to, to give someone, to take care of someone's need? Or do you tend to just stay busy, focused, studying Netflix or... You know, just doing your thing, pursuing your own comfort. These guys were willing to not just uh, travel the extra distance. They were willing to be annoying. (laughs) Annoying to get their fun to Jesus. I want to be like that. I want to be like these guys. Um, I, just this last week, have been so impressed with uh, family in our community. I wonder, do we have a video, uh, Dan, to show? We do. I want you to hear just a little story that happened uh, in the last couple of weeks right here, right here associated with this school. That's an example of uh, what these guys do, tearing the roof off for people. Listen to Annie Kay this morning. Just a meal train that um, was being organized on Facebook for a family that just lost their baby. And one of their children was in my son's class. And I tried to figure out in my mind who it was. I remembered seeing a woman being comforted by others and I thought to myself at the time that it seemed very significant whatever she was going through I later realized that I had seen that same woman at the park um, at a school function and she had a baby and I wondered if this was the same woman when I saw I thought um, had the loss I was drawn to her I had some time and I went up to her and I told her I'm so sorry and I listened to her and I thought that that's what she needed someone to listen to her 
I know in my own loss, what I needed people to do was just to be there. Um, she had been in communication with her former English teacher. I reached out to her. And she mentioned, you know, and her husband, Scott Matthews, um, was someone that she was considering for a spiritual service. So I told her immediately, that's my brother. And that seemed to be a great comfort to her. And also, it blew me away. <sighs> just how God is like so awesome and just amazing that he would put me in this situation at that time and that he would put Melissa in that situation seven years ago and that, you know, she's married to a pastor and she had just talked to my brother and I have only lived here the last year and so it just was unreal. Even though I was blown away, it wasn't surprising, you know, because gosh, is cool like that. I went to her because she matters. I thought I had something to give to her as well because of what I've experienced, which is totally different. But it doesn't have to be the same. We, we all experience pain. And so you don't have to have the same pain to understand. And I've realized more and more that I don't have to fix the situation. I don't have to fix people. You know, I just have to, you know, be willing to be there. I'm Annie Kay and people matter. You know, Adventure got to be there for her funeral services. We got to serve her. We got to see eight people uh, recommit or for the first time make Jesus the leader of their life at, at the funeral service for little Jackson. And you might be here today and be fully, you know, just unengaged, just not, you know, people matter. Yeah, yeah, they matter. You know, whatever. When we, hey, when we doing this, I, I want to remind you that Jesus came to earth and he did life with us. He left the glory of heaven. God came down as a man and his own son. God in the skin of his son. And he gave his time with us. It changed the world. It continues to. Uh, we've got to remember that Jesus at age 30 something said, God, if Father, if it be at all possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus, in a sense, tore the roof off for us, he did whatever it would take to make certain that we had an opportunity to know his father like he knew him intimately, and he went to the cross. And you might, you might be tempted today to think, you know, I'm just cynical about this whole thing about people mattering. But let me remind you, uh, people's forevers are at stake. Folks, forevers are at stake. God so loved the world that whoever believeth in his son wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. But those who don't believe, those who choose to turn and go the other way or 
are not given the opportunity, do not have the hope of being in the house he's been building since the foundation of the world for us forever and ever. And so when we're with people, they're like the word of God. Their people are going to last forever. Our time with them is critical. You don't know that you're going to have forever with your friends. And so I ask you, when's the last time you shared your Jesus story with someone that doesn't know Christ? When's the last time you had a non-believing family over and just did life with them and just trust the Spirit? When Have you started taking steps toward a party in the box, a Matthew party in your neighborhood where you're giving people a chance just to do life together? Because forever's matter. You saw in the narrative that Jesus said of this paralytic, he saw his faith and he said, your sins are forgiven. Folks, let me just remind you, the most important thing in this life is that you're right with that cross and that your sins are forgiven. It's more important than your, your financial portfolio. It's more important than whether or not you have medical care, although that's important. It's more important than, than your body mass index or your, your graduate education. It's that you have dealt with the cross. When Jesus came to give to do life with you, to give you time, and he came to serve you on the cross, have you personally made a decision to believe that that event was for you? If you haven't, I'm going to give you a chance to right now to simply say yes to Jesus and saying, Lord, I believe that was for me. Thank you for the cross. Why don't you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, thanks for a chance to just be reminded that you left it all to give what we consider the most valuable commodity to do life with us and give us time and you came here and just tore the roof off for us you 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 experienced the, one of the most excruciating deaths possible for us and we're just grateful and we're proud and boldly thankful that you died for us and if you're here and you've never made a decision to believe in Jesus personally I challenge you right now just to say to Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. I believe. And if you just prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time or out of rededication, I just want to challenge you right from where you're seated. Would you just raise your hand? Anybody? Just say thank you for the cross this morning, Lord. Anybody for the first time say to Jesus, thank you for the cross. Anyone? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God, we thank you for your spirit. We trust the spirit of Jesus to move here. In Jesus' name, amen. Now in just a moment, we're going we're gonna to sing this song, uh, our invitation song. If you would like prayer, I, I want to challenge you to come down and let our pr- invitation team pray with you. If you made a decision today to thank Jesus for the cross, I I want to challenge you to come down right now and let us let us identify this moment in your life as very significant. Uh, why don't you stand as Natasha leads. If today's the day you make Jesus the leader of your life, if you thank him for the cross today for the first time, you come down and let us welcome you and celebrate this moment in your life.